Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. This week's episode is a special one. It's all basketball. It has been an eventful 24 hours and past week for Jawan Howard's program, and we'll break down all the comings and goings and future happenings. All that and more on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Yeah, quite the whirl, whirlwind of uh, 24 hours for, for you, Andrew, huh? It it has been. Yesterday, uh, so Monday, was was just an interesting day, one that I hadn't experienced on the beat yet uh, as far as you knew it was commitment day for a top 10 prospect, um, but you really didn't know the time. And sure enough, it wasn't until damn near 11.30 p.m. Eastern time um, which is fine. I don't want to sound like an old man as far as both when I go to bed and as far as all oh, these kids today, dragging like it's their right to do, you know, whatever they want. All he had said was it's going to be Monday and he stuck to that. Um, and that would be Josh Christopher, who eventually chose a different school, Arizona State. Um, and it just had me, you know, thinking a lot about how I how I handled it. And, oh, how, how did I how did I you know frame it in my previous stories about him? And um, you know, things like that, uh, you know, did I have a, a nice little feature prepared, you know, on his backstory and, you know, on the court, off the court stuff I did, but you know what, as uh, Kyle Austin, our Michigan state counterpart noted, I'll go into the you know great dustbin of, uh, you know, sports stories. Um, this is, this is nothing new for our profession. Um, it definitely yeah. sounds like that was a common, common sentiment among, Michigan writers yesterday having stories ready and then having to <laughs> yeah uh, delete or, or postpone posting them just because I think even I saw on 24 seven sports. I mean, this was the biggest miss among their like crystal ball predictions of all time. I think 91% of crystal ball pr- predictions were in favor of Joshua Christopher going to Michigan. And it looks he, like he surprised a lot of people when he decided to choose Arizona state and, uh, I th- I saw a lot of criticism of ex of people being experts, but again, like you're you're not in these guys' these high school kids' head twenty four seven. I mean, they they could lay like attention too, so maybe they're pushing people in a different direction too. And I mean, you can really you can do what you can to try and predict where they're going to go, but again, it, it's all up to a sm- their decision and their family's decision where he's going to go. So, but yeah, I'm sure it was a, quite a quite the night for for you that's for sure yeah and uh you know at the end of the day uh i you know there was nothing coming from his camp publicly really that was indicating no one way or the other so these these national people that predicted this and i'm not i'm not jumping on them for being wrong in this case um it was it was coming from elsewhere uh because he he had never really said one you know he said he was open these were his finalists and and that was that uh so yeah, it, it does it does make things uh but yeah, just that percentage number does speak to it being uh, a surprise. Although, you know, if you have to you have to predict somewhere, you don't give like a confidence level. It's not like people were ninety-one percent confident he was gonna go to Michigan. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's kinda like, I don't know, rotten tomatoes in that way. Do you like the movie or did you not like the movie? Um, you know, just because a, a movie has a super high rating, it just means a lot of people thought it was more on the good side than the bad side. You know what I mean? Like you yeah, have to choose a school. And, and, and what I've noticed a lot from those recruiting sites, just because I follow them a lot with football is once one expert or print mm-hmm. or one prediction goes in, in a certain way, 
a lot, it seems like a lot follow right afterwards too. And it's like, are they basing this off of what someone else did or do they have that same inside information to lead them to put in that prediction for that school? So always wondered about that, but yeah, it's, that's another point that maybe kind of led to the, all the pro Michigan predictions. And you nailed it. They're, they're all predictions. That's all they are. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you make a prediction based off what you're hearing or what, what someone's telling you. Um, but that doesn't mean what someone is telling you is the right thing. Like, I, th- I think there was a story at some point somewhere that Josh Christopher's dad thought he was going to go to Michigan. And while, you know, that might lean you, lean, you know, reporter and a, a recruiting analyst one way, uh, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, the family isn't making the decision for the kid. Now they may have a, you know, some families may have more sway on, on, on athletes and others, but this kid is still making his own decision. So it's, it's hard to get ahead of some of these kids in terms of their decision-making and what, what they're leaning on from a, from a school. So while, while there is a belief that Michigan was, was the leader or whatever the case may be, it, it, it turned out that no one really knew and, and that's, and you saw the, the result. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I learned probably not to, it's probably best to maybe not respond to people on Twitter who only have like 11 followers. That's, that's something that I, <laughs> that I maybe learned good is, is, uh... is, is, is good going forward. I often don't look at that, but I'm going to start going forward. But yeah, I think another reason, you know, people started looking at how dominoes were falling and just to recap, okay, this was, you know, Michigan had its, its season. Okay. You know, a couple weeks went, you know, obviously it ended abruptly couple of weeks went by, you know, we were, uh, you know, we, we as reporters spoke to Juwan Howard um, and all he, all he had at that point was that, you know, Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner, um, two, two guys who were eligible to return, uh, you know, were, were look in the early stages of NBA draft process. Okay. Since then, Isaiah Livers declared for the NBA draft. Uh, David DeJulius entered a transfer portal. Uh, Jace Howard, Jawan's son, who's going to be, you know, coming here next year, uh, switches from, you know, being a scholarship recruit to he's going to walk on. So that opened up. We've got we've got at least two scholarships open now and, and livers kind of up in the air. Uh, Colin Castleton enters the transfer transfer portal. And then Michigan kind of replaces to Julius, you could say, or, or just gets a new guard uh, with Mike Smith. Uh, a, a grad transfer from Columbia, who's immediately eligible. So you add it all up, and, and Michigan still had at the end one scholarship open uh, for this coming season. So it's like, well, there you go. There's your you've, you've you've shuffled your deck, and what do you have? You got one spot there for Josh Christopher. He doesn't take it. Okay, then less than twenty four hours, less than uh, well, basically twelve oh. hours later. Okay, you get. Uh, Another player that you miss out on, this one who had already committed, that's Isaiah Todd, a number 13 player in the class, five-star forward, McDonald's All-Americans. All these things Josh Christopher was, um, you know, Todd essentially was first for Michigan. Um, You lose him. He decommits and says he's going to go play professionally somewhere next season. We don't know if it's going to be overseas. I don't know how he could know if it's going to be overseas, given what's happening in the world. Um, But he he can, as of now, go and play in the NBA because of his his age and the fact that he's, um, you know, he's just finishing up high school now. The rules don't, the NBA rules don't allow for him to do that. But, uh, you know, we, you know, I know Ryan liked my uh, dessert, uh, my ice cream uh, metaphor so much, you know, with, with uh, uh, today, you know, as far as they, they thought maybe Josh Christopher could be the cherry on top of a recruiting class. They don't get him. Um, and then I switched to a fishing metaphor for, uh, for Todd, you know, he, he, he 
was one that Jawan Howard had landed a big fish and he wriggled off the hook. So now you lose, you lose this guy. And now the class, um, you know, is what it is. We, we can talk going forward, but I don't know if you guys had wanted to jump in on kind of that recap I just gave. Is it, is it too late to put Jace Howard back on scholarship? (laughs) Absolutely not. I mean, no, uh, you, you can still, uh, you know, get that document, um, uh, you know, tomorrow and, and send in his, uh, national letter of intent. I don't know how that works. Does he have to truly send it back to Ann Arbor or can he just walk down the hall and hand it to his father down there in, in the Miami area? I'm not sure, but, uh, no, it's not, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. My guess is they'll continue to look at ways to fill now these two spots. Okay, whether that be another grad transfer, whether that be an uncommitted 2020 prospect, there still are some, including a player ranked higher than both those guys I just mentioned. They missed out on, and this would be the number nine player in the class, Greg Brown. Uh, he's a big man. You might say, "Oh, Isaiah Todd's out of the mix. Maybe this is a spot for me." Uh, again, the recruiting expert experts all have him leaning towards Texas, but you know, let's, let's remember our lesson from, from last night. Uh, he's got Michigan as a finalist. So, you know, that, that's one way to fill that spot. Uh, and then, yeah, then there's, there's the grad transfers. Um, if you don't, then yeah, maybe, uh, you reward, reward another guy. And in Jace Howard's case, I mean, he was someone who was already kind of potentially on scholarship. Um, you know, another way is to give it to a, you know, one of the other walk-ons on the team. But as I think I've noted on this podcast before, walk-ons are sometimes uh, getting school paid for by other scholarships, whether they be academic or whatever. So even if they're not truly counting against the scholarship limit, um, it doesn't mean they're not on some sort of scholarship. Uh, but it is interesting. Um, and, it, you know, as I, as I mentioned in our you know, headlines podcast, uh, you know, they went from the number four class in the country with Todd, but without Christopher, he was never committed. So, uh, you know, it was the, it was the kind of the four man class with, uh, including Todd to number 12, but you know, you can manipulate the the website there on the 24 seven sports database. And yet you put Jace Howard back in the mix there, even though he's not on scholarship, you know, and it bumps him up to number eight, uh, you know, which would uh, tie for the best that John Beeline ever had during his 12 years here. He had, he had the number eight class in 2013 with uh, Stauskas McGarry and, and Glenn Robinson and those guys. Um, he did have the number 11 class, couple of years ago with Iggy Brastakis, Brandon Johns and, and, and those guys. But, um, you know, he's, uh, uh, you know, he won a few games here. You might've heard John Beeline. So there's, there's, there's a lot of different ways to go about this. Um, but, but yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering if you guys, what you guys are thinking of thinking about given that Jawan Howard in his, you know, now first recruiting cycle here has, you know, missed out on, the very first kid he offered, Isaiah Todd, now is not going to be coming. And, you know, a guy who he had a, a, a year long, or sorry, the very first kid he offered was Josh Christopher. Um, the very first kid who committed to him was Isaiah Todd. So some of these early connections he had in the end fizzled out. Uh, you think there will be lessons learned or it's, you know, you, you just you, you, you know, get up there and, and try your best again? You know, I don't know. I think Juwan probably... Yeah, assuming he's able to sign the rest of the class, you know, he's probably going to take away that this is this process of recruiting is a little bit more difficult than maybe he thought, you know, he, like you mentioned, he, he walked into this and he was, he was creating connections pretty, pretty early. He, he got commitment obviously from Isaiah Todd early. Um, he's not going to end up with those guys. So it, it's definitely, and maybe the, I would, uh, 
you know, soon this is one of the reasons why John Beeline decided to, you know, try his hand at the NBA. You know, you having gone through this for so long, and now you got the introduction of the transfer portal, and you know, the option of some of these guys choosing to play overseas, you know, professionally instead of going to college game. I mean, there's a lot to weigh. There's a, there's there's spots to figure out. It's just, it's a, it's a lot of pressure on a coaching staff just to figure out the spots. Uh, and I think Jawan's learning that the hard way this year. Um, that being said, uh, this this class has gone from very good uh, to to or you know potentially elite to very good. I mean, like you mentioned, still right. still top ten, top fifteen. It could have been a top four, top five. Um, but you know, the takeaway is this, this class is still really good. He he did he's had some swings and misses, um, but you know, there's there's a lot of good there's a lot of good to come out of this thing too. For me, it just shows that how how important player development is. I mean, look at what John Beeline was able to do with this program with the recruiting classes he was able to bring in. So if Jawan Howard has even remotely the type of uh, ability in player development as John Beeline had, I mean, think, I think they'll be in pretty good shape. And if we haven't really dived into this too much yet, but Michigan should be in pretty good shape next year as well. If I was especially if Livers and and Franz Wagner come back, but. I mean, they're not losing a whole lot from, from, I mean, obviously Xavier Simpson, John Testy were a big part of this team, but I mean, especially this past year, Testy didn't, wasn't the same type of player he was in the past. Um, so I, I think they're, they're still set up to be in a pretty good position next year. Yeah. And I brought up the comparison to Beeline because yes, he, he literally was Chuan's predecessor and here at Michigan, but I think he'd be a good example, even if he was coaching it. I don't know, Seton Hall or, or Colorado or wherever you want to say, just as far as here's a guy who won without getting those, you know, top 10, top 15, one and done type players. He did it with the next level of recruits and sometimes even the level after that. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how, how Juwan plays it. And again, as Aaron mentioned in the end, he gets, you know, Hunter Dickinson, the top 40 kid. Uh, and and Terrence Williams, number eighty-five in the class, you know, on on short notice. I mean, he's still a lot of these. You know, think about what he's he's already been working on kids now that are juniors and sophomores, okay. And that so that means that the coaches Jawan was competing against for these seniors were doing the same thing. They've been working on him for two or three years. Jawan didn't have that luxury; he didn't have the job uh, until May. Uh, so yeah, I think he did a good work in short time. The, the other guy is, is Zeb Jackson. Um, I think he's number 69 in the class. I, I don't, I didn't list him initially because he committed, you know, to John Beeline. I mean, he stuck with Jawan, but it wasn't necessarily Jawan. Jawan didn't discover him. He didn't, he didn't initially offer him. Um, so uh, yeah, he's, you know, and he ended up signing, you know, very early uh, in the early period in November, but yeah, it's more for me. It's not about like what the necessarily the, the ranking is when all is said and done. It's, it's the bodies too. I mean, you don't want to have extra scholarships open. They had it last year. That was again, a little outside of his control. You know, uh, guys decommitted when, when the coaching change happened, um, you know, the grad transfer market was kind of picked over by that point. All right. You give them a pass for, for playing short last year, but you know, they give you those 13 for a reason you want to use them. And, and yeah, you can, you can kind of just fix that problem by just giving the scholarship back to, to Jace Howard. But, um, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they were to, you know, grab grab someone else. And I'll be looking at this on, you know, MLive.com, uh, you know, going forward as far as just the, the positional breakdown. Because um, I, I think, I don't know, you guys can weigh in here, and this, this is true for football too, like, you know, second place in recruiting, 
does you no good. <laughs> you know, you come in second with a guy, it does you no good. You're, you're, you're better having, you're almost better off having just a class where you know the guys are solid in their commitment. They're going to sign. Um, and, you know, you've got your positions filled and, and you're, you know, you know, this guy, or you, you envision this guy playing this role and this guy playing this role, then, you know, here's my dream team, but then it fizzles out and now you're kind of scrambling last minute. I mean, that's just, you know, that's my opinion, but. You nailed it. I mean, that's, that's, it's something Jim, Jawan Hunter's going to kind of like navigate. This is, he's still learning. I mean, he's still, keep in mind, he's a first year college coach. He's just coming off his first season, which didn't actually, you know, come to completion either. Right. So he, he's, and this is his first full recruiting class. He's kind of going through the cycle. So he's, these are things he's learning. He's going to have to, you know, learn how to fill a roster without, you know, alienating recruits without alienating guys on his roster. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a learning curve. It's going to be a learning curve for him. And I'd say for his, you know, assuming all these guys sign and these remaining, um, you know, recruits do end up signing and the Michigan gets, gets these guys, it's, it's a good recruiting class to start off with. I mean, there's, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it could have been very good and right. he could have made a huge splash and, and entered the level of a North Carolina and a Kansas and a Duke. Um, but he's just shy of that. And I think that that's certainly a good start. It's it's something certainly they can build on in, in the future years. There's, there's very few that have pulled that off successfully. You know, the those schools you mentioned, because Tom Izzo kind of waded into those waters for a stretch, came in second place, or you know, in the case of let's say Jaron Jackson Jr., he actually got him, uh, but he didn't really it didn't really pan out. He had Miles Bridges that actually stayed for a second year, um, and those teams didn't make the Sweet Sixteen. So, you know, you now seen Izzo go back to, I mean, that sweet spot really is if you can get the guy like Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. I mean, that was their one-two combo for these last couple of years that got him to, you know, a final four last year and who knows where they could have gone this year, but, you know, got to share the big 10 in the regular season, um, you know, with a senior and a junior that were, I, I mean, I hate to say like, you know, just not good enough to be in the NBA, but just, I don't know, in a way, just not viewed as that, that type of one and done talent you know, stay multiple years, got better as, as things, you know, as the season went on. Um, and yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're diamonds in the rough. If you were to re-rank the recruiting, you know, the recruiting list from those years, they would be, they would be much higher and they were still, they weren't, you know, no namers, you know, they weren't out there in the three, four or five hundreds, but you know, they weren't again in that top 15 range. So it will be interesting to see, uh, you know, kind of how, how they handle this going forward. And Zook, you kind of hit on it, but the challenge now for Jawan and this Michigan program is to start winning because if they can do that and show some of these top tier recruits, these five-star kids that they've missed out on, because keep a lot of these guys, I mean, they're looking at the, especially the five stars. I mean, their, their goal is to make the NBA and they want a professional career, but they've got colleges is an obstacle. They've gotten to play in college first, or at least most of them approach that way. Um, so they're not, they're not going to stay all four years. So if you got, you got to show that you can win and if you can win on the big stage, um, I think that will go a long way in, in trying to entice some of these kids to come, to come to Michigan. Um, and that starts on the basketball court. They got to win. Now they, they, you know, they had the opportunity this year, they won some big games, but they weren't able to you know, build a tournament resume. No one was obviously, but that, that certainly plays a factor too. So a signing day tomorrow, what are you expecting Michigan to do and, and who are they expected to sign and bring in? Yeah, so with Todd now officially out of the fold, like that was the big question. Is Isaiah Todd going to sign? And I thought I was going to be spending some of this time, some of this uh, time on this podcast episode, 
reminding people that just because he signed doesn't mean he then still couldn't go play professionally. The, the national letter of intent essentially binds you to that school. Um, so he wasn't going to go play at Kentucky or something like that, but uh, it wouldn't prevent you from just not going to college altogether. Anyway, he's already off the table. So I wouldn't expect many surprises. You're going to see the kids that are committed uh, sign. Terrence Williams uh, told me as much earlier this week. He said, yes, as soon as I, uh, um, yeah, Wednesday, I'm going to, you know, get that form from, from the school and uh, fax it back. And that got me thinking, you know, you do hear about the fax machine this time of year for recruiting. Uh, I'm like, do you, the fax, like, do you, you have a, you're, you know, you're homebound now, you know, he's not like you can just be going to, you're not at school like you normally would be, or can't just necessarily go to a, a Staples or whatever. Uh, and he's like, yeah, his mom works from home and has a fax machine anyway. So that's fine. Um, I looked into it more you don't have to do it by fax anymore. You can just scan it. And I was trying to so say, that, not a big, seems, that yeah. was a thing for a while. The fax machine, like <laughs> oh, yeah, basically right. it, it, it was almost, uh, you know, eradicated from society other than uh, <laughs> you know, signing days. Yeah. The, the NLI has gotten uh, advanced too. Cause I remember talking to uh, Braden McGregor, the incoming defensive end for, for the football team in Port Huron and talking to his parents about the day they signed. And they said, I think they had iPads or their phones. They were the, like, they were given a password to get into the system and they, they electronically signed it. So that's doable too nowadays. So, but, yeah. Right. So I don't know how, how frequent the whole fax thing is, but then it's, it's, it's an intriguing thing. It's, it's always a joke. But uh, yeah. I just mentioned his, uh, his mom's, you know, job working from home. Uh, his dad is actually, uh, uh, I'm going to have this in a story tomorrow, but Hey, the Wolverine podcast, Wolverine confidential podcast listeners get the, get the scoop here first. Uh, his dad like drives a bus, Terrence Williams dad, uh, in a city bus in Washington DC area during the week. And then on the weekend works with, uh, this is how Terrence Williams phrased it to me. Now you guys are a little younger than me, but still, uh, you know, he works with this, uh, R and B artist. I don't know if you've heard of him genuine, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I've heard of him. Like, you know, <laughs> I call myself a fan, know several of his songs. I mean, they're hits from back in the day. Uh, it was just funny the way he, he kind of phrased it. Uh, um, you know, probably because people of his age don't really know him. So he's like, you know, I don't know how old you are. Are you familiar with this genuine guy? I'm like, yes, I am. Um, <laughs> Um, Ryan, I will take your silence to say you're not really. No, I, I've, I've heard of him for, before, but I could not tell you one thing he sings or raps or whatever. I, I, but I've definitely heard of Genuine, yeah. Perhaps we'll have a Genuine performance at uh, halftime of a Michigan basketball game. Uh, Red Panda out, Genuine in for, uh, <laughs> for the Michigan State next year. Um, but anyway, yeah, so he's uh, he will be signing number 85 player in the country, as I mentioned earlier, kind of 6'6 six, six forward. You know, small forward, power forward type. Um, talk to him and his high school coach uh, at Gonzaga High School there in the D.C. area. You know, four-year varsity player. Uh, you know, had some good teammates over the years, some Division One guys. Um, you know, can score, as they say, at all three levels. You know, kind of plays in the post, mid-range, and and now shoots the threes. He shot more three than, threes than anyone on his team this year. Um, hit, you know, at a 35 to 38% clip, his coach said. Um, and yeah, it just kind of looks like maybe one of those good Big Ten four-year players right now, which is which is what we were talking about. That's that's, that's a, that can be a very good thing. Um, he was uh, AAU teammates with Hunter Dickinson, so another kid coming in, um, seven foot two, true center, kind of a throwback big. Um, rarely shoots threes. Uh, Ken, you know, developing, he got some decent touch, but he's more back to the basket, you know, kind of baby hook with either hand type of guy. 
Um, and yeah, already freaking seven feet too tall, like seven foot two. That's like a, that's 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 a big that's a big boy coming in. Um, and and yeah, he's 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 the highest ranked of the bunch. I think he's like number thirty four. Um, and then in the backcourt, you've got Zeb Jackson, six two, six three. He's from Ohio. That's where he played his first three years. And then as we kind of have seen in this in this area of the country, at least, um, guys go elsewhere sometimes for their fourth year if they're not at a major program. Sometimes it's to another big time school nearby and sometimes it's not. In his case, he went to Montverde Academy down in Florida. Uh, when their season was cut short, they still hadn't lost a game. They were number one in the country nationally. Zeb Jackson is a top 70 recruit in the country. He did not start at Montverde. Okay. That's how good that team was. Um, but you know, had a, had a solid season there. Good shooter, good ball handler, uh, maybe more playing, you know, is he ready to contribute, be a big time, big 10 starter right away? I don't know. And that's why that Josh Christopher news, I think hit Michigan fans so hard because it just seemed like, Ooh, there's a guy that's absolutely ready for the big 10, you know, can get you buckets and it's kind of something Michigan needs. Uh, so those are the three that we know are going to be on scholarship. Uh, Fourth, Jace Howard, Jawan's son. Jawan does have two high school age sons. Uh, the sophomore Jet is is much much higher on the recruiting rankings right now. Um, but Jace is again, he, he kind of looks another like another one of those, you know, definitely four year players. Had Ivy League offers, um, but like already recognizes like like his father did, uh, like kind of the value of being a defender, a rebounder, setting screens, you know, loose balls, things like that, and. I know that can sound like almost disparaging. Like, is this my way of like sugarcoating a kid who can't shoot and score and do the other things? And no, that's not my point. Like his coach really uh, appreciated those things. Um, he has a developing offensive game. Let, let's put it that way. I'm not trying to uh, pretend this kid is going to come in and start and score right away, but uh, it will be interesting too. just the dynamic of, of the father son, um, you know, it's happened in college basketball before. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's the fourth kid. I think when you you said when you spoke to them too, he just seems like a very cerebral kind of kid too. It's just really well spoken and kind of gets it. One of those kids that gets it too. Absolutely, yeah. No, he was uh, he was very impressive. Um, and most most of these these kids are. I guess it maybe doesn't surprise you. Uh, you know, at, at a school like Michigan and at a school like uh, and you know with the attention these recruits get now, they're doing a lot of interviews and things like that. But yeah, Jay's um, yeah very very impressive uh, young man. Um, but yeah, he is ranked outside the the top 300. Um, but it, you know, if he's a walk on, or I guess regardless, uh, this Michigan scout team is is, is going to be one heck of a of a squad. I mean, you've got multiple guys that uh, either were or could have been on scholarship at uh, you know other schools, other Division one schools, um, and chose to uh, you know wound up at Michigan. A couple through transfer, and Brandon Wade and and Jaron Falds, um, and now. Uh, now Chase Howard as well. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what I would expect. Uh, and then I'd expect we'd hear from Jawan Howard, whether that just be from uh, an emailed statement on these guys um, or if we can get him on the phone, we'll see. But once they sign, he is allowed to talk about them. That was, that has been the topic of previous podcasts. I know um, he had some slip ups during the recruiting process where, you know, he mentioned some of these guys' names. You can finally talk about Hunter Dickinson uh, more than just saying his name and then, uh, you know, uh, realizing that he needed to stop talking. Um, so, yeah, that that's the class. And it's a 
it's a good one. You know, guards, wings, uh, big men, um, kind of has it all. Even if it's lost, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's true, the true headliners that, that people thought they were going to come. But, uh, you know, you can do worse than, let's say, you know, Hunter Dickinson being the best guy. Uh, that's still, it's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. One one quick question before we go. They, they're also add or adding that tr- the point guard transfer, Mike yes. Smith from Columbia. How do you see his? He's obviously he was a scorer at Columbia. How do you see that translating to the Big Ten? Yeah, thanks for asking about him. I would have I would have almost forgotten. There's just so much news going on. Um, yeah, big time scorer, uh, number six in the country last season. But at Columbia, I know Michigan mm-hmm. fans probably have uh, Jerron Simmons in mind when they look at you know a guy who was an All Mac performer. Um, who just, it didn't really work out for him. Uh, I want to compare the two situations directly. Um, you know, Michigan has, first of all, Michigan has a different coach than they did then. And a coach who's maybe system isn't going to be as complex for a new point guard to learn. Um, but yeah, of course, it'll be interesting to see how a guy from the Ivy League, how his game translates. Um, he's not just going to be given the ball and then say, you know, go, go take 15, 20 shots a game. He's going to have to work with, um, you know, the players that he's got around him, but he knew that when he, when he chose Michigan and, you know, still did, he had other suitors for sure. So, uh, I think it's a good, uh, like at the very least, it's an insurance policy for, you know, Eli Brooks, for Zeb Jackson, the freshman I mentioned for, you know, Cole Bajima who can play with the ball in his hands, you know, just a, a good another backcourt piece. Uh, best case scenario is, yeah, this guy can, you know, can score even at the Big Ten level and, and provide some of that outside shooting that, um, you know, you guys know uh, they they lacked at times this past season. But yeah, it, it's just interesting to me. Sports have stopped so much of the basketball calendar is just up in the air, and yet the off season in college basketball, other than coaches, other than coaches leaving that the coaching carousel has, has come to a halt. Almost um, the player movement is just the same as always transfers coming in transfers, going out uh, recruits, you know, uh, kind of you know, making their decisions last minute, you know, surprising people. And here we are with signing day. So it's kind of business as usual. Um, but I'm sure in an upcoming podcast, we will discuss how the Michigan basketball program at least is handling uh you know, the, the future with, with, with unknown, you know, as far as players uh, potentially not coming to campus uh, at their, you know, normally scheduled time. But yeah, we'll be, we'll be back with another, uh, with another episode kind of to, to discuss what actually did go down in signing day. And, uh, you know, of course, cover football team and and any other uh, news events related to University of Michigan athletics. So this has been the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Thank you for listening.